bowl behind me. It smells like pine in here. It smells so good. <laughs> Do you guys remember? Yeah. Light one candle for the Maccabee children. Oh my god. <laughs> Wow. I had a dream that we were on this like quiz show and they were like, which of the three of you has the best memory? And I was like, Maddie. And then I went into like this tangent about like your musical memory. Oh my um, gosh. It's insane. It's, yeah. It's, that's a fun <laughs> fact for you. That was like two nights ago too. So we're talking recent dream. That's, I mean, it's actually so factual. Yeah. Like Maddie has, well, actually, okay. But here's the thing. Maddie's memory of events is not as good. That's true. But Maddie <laughs> could pull out a piece of music from when she was two years old. Right, I know. And sing yeah. like the bass part that she didn't even sing. Okay, I have touche. a really amazing memory for music and for Donkin Rampa characters. And that's it. That's those are I mean I can't wow. blame I have um. a memory of <laughs> pop culture and that's it. And I have a memory of things that i have experienced i'm very good at remembering the things that have happened that's kind of the most important thing to remember you know that's true arguably yeah we could do really well as a group on like jeopardy oh my gosh if we could be a team yeah oh my gosh we would kill it yeah especially if there's a category caroline's life events (laughs) just as one category perfect love it also, um, uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for just listening hey. to us riff for a little bit. Welcome back to the Ultra Hope Girls. Welcome. Welcome back. <laughs> we're hanging. Um, today, we're going to be diving into V3, Chapter 1, long-awaited, I'm Woo-hoo. sure, because these episodes are, I mean, we could we could go on for three hours, and it would be th- it'll be three episodes, so yeah. we do not we know what's ahead of us. We probably we will. We're going to go for V3 <laughs> hours, am I right? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um, but just so you all know, this episode will spoil chapter one, V3. There you go. So without further ado, let's get started. I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. And I'm Caroline. And we are the Ultra Hope Girls. One. Two. Welcome to the Dong and Rumpa podcast. <laughs> Threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. We are. Yeah, we are. I really said that with such like gravitas. Like we are. We are the ultra hope girls. Gravitas. I like that word. Thank you. I I really did the GRE. Oh yeah, it could definitely. (laughs) So guys, what did we all uh, think of chapter one? Pretty crazy pretty crazy (laughs) i know this game i just remember like well okay i did predict how it was gonna end you did i did which is true a little insane of me yeah but also um i just remember playing it and getting to the end and being like holy cow like this game is gonna be unlike anything we've experienced so far like i just knew it was gonna be crazy um because they were willing to go to that level for the first trial which is so amazing so anyway i yeah and i feel like replaying it i got a deeper appreciation of this game if i'm being honest like i think i poop on it a little more but it's so sophisticated like at a storytelling and like a gameplay level for the most part (laughs) so yeah definitely 
so we've lost our female protagonist in a main game that mm-hmm. was pretty yep. fast um yep. i did want to talk about kaede though i don't know if it's too soon to do that um but not really about like the end of this chapter just as a character just, just as a character and yeah. like i know like we've talked about it a little bit in these these first few episodes of of this season but i do want to talk about i feel like i might be a little bit harder on her and part of me wonders if that's because she is a woman and like this is me like checking myself because there was a part in this uh chapter where kokichi is like uh you won't let us give up and no matter what we say you have the moral high ground when you say we can't give up you're not inspiring us you're strong arming us and this is a complete 180 reaction to how the trigger happy havoc cast felt about makoto doing the exact Mm -hmm. same thing and it just kind of gave me those vibes of when like you know there's like a strong woman and she gets called bossy versus like a strong man is called a leader and i don't know it just kind of made me think like i wonder if that's a little bit where like some of the hate for kaede comes from is maybe like more of a internal bias yeah i had the same thought actually yeah when i was playing because i was like wow like she's really um like quite positive but it's not in a way that's annoying she's just it's yeah and so I totally hear what you're saying and I I really like her so much more on this playthrough it's really awesome yeah I I like her a lot more in this one too and I I feel like I liked her more than the two of you did even on the first playthrough but even going back through this like I really appreciate the role that she plays in this game and I kind of hate that they took her from us so soon like I would have loved to see what a full length Danganronpa game looked like with Kaede as a protagonist for all of these different cases you know what I mean um yeah I would have loved to see that and I think it's I, I'm really torn about the I mean we can get to this more towards kind of the end of the chapter but I'm honestly really torn on where I stand in terms of whether I liked or disliked the fact that Kaede was the culprit it's it's funny because I don't know if you got you guys probably my guess would be that you guys are familiar with this but do you know like the have you heard of like the 10 commandments or like the rules for like writing a detective novel I think we might have touched on that before um I have not heard that I don't think so oh okay it's um this I was what is is what I was trying to pull up because I wanted to remember who like coined this these 10 commandments so there's like a few different things but I'm looking on, this is from the Agatha Christie wiki, so (laughs) agathachristie.fandom.com, and it's called The Rules of Detective Fiction, Um, and it's talking about how, like, um, during, like, it's it's calling it the golden age of detective fiction, which was kind of around, like, Agatha Christie's time or shortly before. There was a writer named Ronald Knox, who in 1929 uh, came up with the Ten Commandments for writing a detective story, and a similar list of 20 rules for writing a detective story um, came out, I think, around the same time by an S.S. Van Dyne. And a couple of these are interesting here. Okay, so there's a couple of like rules that are shared between these two lists that are like, if you do this as a detective fiction writer, like you are not cool you can't do this because everyone will hate you and like that kind of thing first the first rule is like the the culprit has to be mentioned early on in the story it can't be someone who's thrown in like randomly at the end right because that's kind of like cheating you know if it wasn't if it's a whodunit and you don't know who 
that person even is until three quarters of the way through the book. At Nancy Drew Secrets Can Kill. Uh, yeah, yeah. Literally. <laughs> Nancy Drew breaks some of these rules. But um, another rule is that there should be nothing supernatural if it's a true detective story. The huh. there, There's a couple like funny rules. There's some of these that are like really outdated. But um, like one of them says, it's S.S. Uh, Van Dyne says, it shouldn't be servants, butlers, uh, cooks or footmen should never be the culprit, um, which is interesting <laughs> to me. But there are a bunch of rules. So rule number seven on Ronald Knox's Ten Commandments, the detective himself must not commit the crime. Rule number eight, the detective is bound to declare any clues which he may discover. So essentially saying that the detective is not allowed to keep secrets from the reader. And that is, and that's similar to S.S. Van Dyne's rule number one, which says the reader must have equal opportunity with the detective for solving the mystery. Mm. All clues must be plainly stated and described. And number Mm. two, no willful tricks or deceptions may be played on the reader other than those played legitimately by the criminal on the detective himself. So back in the 30s (laughs) um, basically they, they came out with these lists based on like I guess what they thought were cheats essentially by the author oh, as a way to cheat their readers. And they felt that it was unfair to have the detective be the culprit or to have the detective or protagonist conceal information from the reader, which this chapter of Danganronpa does both of those things very much so. And so majorly, majorly breaks these rules, which is obviously controversial. So... I know I you said I'm a little first. bit torn about it, but what are, what are your guys' thoughts on the rule breaking that is occurring there? Oh, I love it because, so Agatha Christie wrote a very famous novel that I'm about to spoil, but it has the same ending as this trial, um, but it's called <laughs> The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. And it's basically the the person narrating the book is the murderer and it's, it's brilliant and it was written in 1926 and um i just think that here's how i feel i think rules like that limit creativity and limit possibility of where things can go because you can figure out that kaede is the murderer i did it and like it's yeah it's not like special (laughs) (laughs) thank you i am special that's what my mom says all the time oh no i'm just kidding you know those jokes where it's like my mom says i'm special no um but anyway, I, yeah. And so because of that, I just think like, I don't, I don't think there are rules to break because I think if it works and it has an impact on the reader or the consumer of the media, that's what matters, right? Um, and we're getting into an era now where we have seen it all. We've seen the way these detective stories have been told time and time again and to make things new and different and evolve you have to break the those rules you have to i mean it's just like yeah and i can't help but think of like the show or the rule you mentioned about no supernatural stuff or it like can't be a mystery because i the tv show wednesday has come out and it's essentially a supernatural mystery and it's good and I had fun solving it along the way, you know, and, and it, it was solvable, you know, cause it just, it was murder, but it just was supernatural murders, you know? So mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, I just think that that's my opinion. There you go. <laughs> there it yeah, is. Um, 
yeah, you heard it here first. Dong and Rumpa's a bad game, um, based on that rule set. So <laughs> Right, exactly. No, I I completely agree. I think rules are made to be broken. And when people write rule sets like that, that's actually where, like, personally, as a creator, I find the most inspiration is saying, like, how would I break that? Like, you know, so, yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's, I, I totally agree with the rules, like, kind of staunching creativity sort of idea. At the same time, like I said, I have mixed feelings, blah, blah, blah. I do, I I did feel a little bit cheated at the end of this chapter, being like, oh my goodness, like, it was Kaede all along, like, there were thoughts going through her head that we were not privy to, even though we were privy to some of the thoughts going through her head, but not all of them, and like, it, the moment when she was, like, following Shuichi out of the classroom, and she, like, takes the, in theory, takes the shot put ball out of her backpack and throws it down the vent, the only thing it says in the moment in narration is I dropped everything I was holding and followed Shuichi. I was like, really? Like that's, oh, I couldn't help but feel a little bit that. by that. But, um, but I do think it makes for a really good twist. And I do think um, one of the reasons why, um, like you mentioned, Caroline, one of the reasons why Agatha Christie became so huge is because she bent and broke a lot of these rules and she was like revolutionary in her stories and, that's part of the reason why this this these lists are on her wiki (laughs) is because she was like she she broke the rules and she like was a revolutionary um which is cool but but yeah I mean I I couldn't help but feel a little like really (laughs) no but I also yeah go ahead Caroline I was just gonna say no but in hindsight I just think that they did it really well like I think that it doesn't sneak up on you in the way that you just mentioned I really don't <laughs> think it does because of the way it's like it's like Kaede as a character doesn't even want to admit to herself that she did something like that. That's really true. That's yeah. how I yeah. took it. It's like yeah. she's almost in denial. And then and then, you know, obviously she doesn't take the first blood perk because that wasn't her intention. Her intention was to end the game. Right. right. And and so there's some shame there. And I think that this is just a storytelling mechanism to show that internal struggle with like what she's trying to maybe ignore for herself that's really true but it's all there that's a good point that's a good point i also think this chapter is so much better on a replay or maybe not better on a replay but different on a replay because again uh, like we, we were just talking about i didn't like kaede the first time through but the second time through i'm seeing some of the things that i thought i was like oh my gosh like can she move on like the book stacking I was like Shuichi is the ultimate detective please just trust him and move on from stacking the books like stop it or like in the trial like she has the total like Harry Potter protagonist moment where she's like I have to be the one to solve this and I'm going to put together all the clues and you know it's my like like I have to do this and she wasn't being the Harry Potter protagonist she was saying like you know, like, this was the whole point of her doing this was to figure out who was the mastermind. It was more of like an internal, like, risk. Right. Um, And so replaying it, I feel like it takes those moments where, you know, like, Kaede is seemingly the worst. (laughs) Like, so you rethink them to, to where, like, no, she's actually just doing something completely different. And maybe you, like, didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, I have to give her kudos for doing something. You know, right. I never want to. I never want to condone murder. 
but <laughs> don't take that out of context but <laughs> i never want to condone murder but she's the only one who really like does something i mean rentaro went down to the bookcase to do something we'll never know well maybe we'll know but at that, this point we don't know what that was but Kaede is the only one who actually is like i'm gonna do something to make sure that we don't all get killed at the end of this time limit right yeah. like all respect i'll do respect to kaito and the others but when they were gathering being like we're gonna fight it's like well you're you're gonna yeah <laughs> like you're not gonna fight Kaede was the only one who actually like tried to do something initiative about it. and tried to save everyone can we talk about the seven people kaito picked to be most useful literally love love <laughs> but here's the thing i get the logic so we have Kaito, we have Maki, and I don't know why she's there because she's just kind of like weird and doesn't seem to be want to cooperate very much, you know? So it's like, why did he invite her? And then Angie, I guess it's like the power of God and anime on my side. And then Himiko can do magic. So, you know, <laughs> that. And um, and then Tenko is ob- and, like the only obvious choice of pretty much all of the rest. I can't remember who the other one is. Uh, Gonta and Rentaro. Oh, which yeah. I get I, Gonta. Yeah, yeah, Gonta I get. But Rentaro, he's an e-boy. What is he doing there? <laughs> it's funny because it, it's it's funny also because Aikido, what, what Tenko does, I mean, she does Neo Aikido, but Aikido is strictly a self-defense martial art. It's like maneuvers to like, if someone's coming at you and attacking you, you get out of their way or you like pin them to the ground in a way that like theoretically doesn't hurt them, but like makes them not able to hurt you. It's like, you don't like attack people with Aikido. <laughs> but maybe that's the Neo part of it is yeah. it has attack moves. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but it's it, uh, that really did crack me up. I, I forgot about that like detail and I was like, oh my God, are you joking? It's interesting, the rules of this killing game are a little bit different than the past, where there can be two surviving students instead of one, which that is incredibly interesting. And it kind of gives me like Hunger Games vibes, where they they kind of made that rule and they were like, okay, well, if two people from the same district make it, they can both live kind of thing. Yeah, I literally have on my notes page, until two remain, question mark, Hunger Games vibes. Yeah, literally. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, so... It's just interesting and can create the scenario where like two people could team up or that kind of thing, which is interesting. We also lose that team in this, you know, first chapter. So they give you like, I think that personally, I think that that was to deflect away from the fact that we would be losing one of the core team, core team being Kaede Shuichi on, you know, the first chapter. It's like, oh, well, okay, these two are going to last the whole game. When in reality, no, <laughs> they're most definitely not. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of cool. So there's a part after like all the rules are explained and Kaede is trying to like inspire the group, um, specifically, I feel like Shuichi, but the group. And she says, honestly, it would help more if I played a song on the piano instead of gave a speech, which was like, made me cringe a little bit on the inside. Really reminded me of these TikToks that I've been sending Caroline recently that are like, you know jukebox musicals and how they like transition into song where it's just like like um you just you light me up inside because baby you're a fire 
<laughs> like just like how they like do that oh and I, I love feel it like that would be so funny to see v3 as a jukebox musical and played. it would be like but what would be that. the who would be the artist for the v3 jukebox musical you know what i mean well, like that's who, such a good question who is the artist selena gomez oh my god obviously <laughs> why did i not think of that obviously sooner? yeah wow wait that's a good question uh audience members please let us know what you think the jukebox musical featured artist should be we would love to hear yes that. we want to know thank you for your contributions i lulled when gonta i have this note and i don't remember the line exactly like i remember how they did it but like when gonta repeated the manhole line just faster where where someone <laughs> said like like do it like or like oh do it faster or or said something that like could be interpreted as like if taken literally like like reading it faster and that really cracked me (laughs) up I I loved that that was so funny I thought it was interesting that one rule states that Monokuma will never directly commit a murder right yeah yeah, it definitely implied that someone's controlling Monokuma. I mean, right? Why yeah. say that if you know Monokuma is a is a sentient being? being. <laughs> yeah, right, it's it's he's sentient. He just, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting though because I think for the past two games the rules were very explicit, saying Monokuma cannot interfere like at all. Right. And this time it's like, oh, he won't directly commit a murder, but like maybe he'll set up a Rube Goldberg machine where he like indirectly murders someone by bashing him on the head with a thing a ball dropped from bookshelves <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that is like indirect murder right <laughs> no it's um it's interesting i mean and, I, and i'm saying this not implying anything for the future or anything but we know from past games that like the rules play a huge role in the cases and like the changes in the rules play a huge role in the cases so yeah it is um i'm curious to see how perhaps or not that might play a role later on i also have a note that i just wanted to make sure we touched on that kibo has the strength of a senior citizen (laughs) an average senior citizen right so i guess it's like you know maybe the person who created him didn't want him to be too powerful where he could like take over the world you know yeah yeah. the normal amount of powerful well he talks about the tragedy that occurred during trial one (laughs) which makes me think uh, kibo perhaps had a an older brother or sister who was maybe too strong for their own good maybe had a i don't know i envisioned it as like a like a an of mice and men kind of thing oh my gosh oh my god (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> horrible. Where they like try to go hug someone, so and, like funny. <laughs> Kokichi is such a gem. There's this part in here where Koki or Kibo is a gem. Kokichi says, "Kibo's the mastermind. Everyone thinks so too." And Kibo's like, "Does everyone really think that?" And no one answers. No one. Kaede's so- like gonna get to the bottom of this <laughs> and we just move on from that and poor Kibo is like oh my gosh they think I'm the mastermind <laughs> poor little gem 
you know he's a little baby i do love kiba so much like he is such a cutie little guy an icon truly absolutely can we talk about the escape game in the grate yes oh my gosh yes my next note is actually about that um i have well my note about this sewer escape fiasco is actually two questions um the first question is what is the point of having this in the game Mm. despair (laughs) yeah i know i mean well we all know the frustration of like when you're playing like a platformer level and you just cannot beat it and it feels so frustrating because it's like what skills am I actually using right now? Why can't I beat this platformer game? You know what I mean? And I don't like platformers for that reason because I always get so angry and I get stuck on a level that I cannot beat and I just give up. But anyway, so I think that there is like a certain sort of despair of like, as a player, you know, and I knew, I knew when I first played this that this wasn't going to be an easy escape, obviously, because we have a whole game ahead of us. But like, yeah, I just think it creates that, again, feeling of despair in real life for the player while playing the game, um, which is something I've already brought up today about Kaede. And it's like very interesting how this game is really experimenting with like storytelling techniques that make us the player feel feel despair in real life to a level of that's not just like oh characters dying it's like things that are also just frustrating and make us feel like we are in the character's shoes which is really neat no i agree um yeah i think it's to make you feel despair uh caroline and i played the game together for the first time she like watched as i attempted this this was many 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 months ago and i was so stressed the entire time because i'm like oh my gosh like caroline is watching and i am doing horribly on (laughs) this this escape game and we are never going to get past this and i'm in my head like oh my gosh like i'm just a bad player at this game and in reality you're not really supposed to make it through right (laughs) stressful um i am just as bad this second time through at this escape game it's so bad yeah well it's impossible to win i mean it's like you have to be really good at it but you can win it you can win it is that part of your second question yes that was my next question is if you're really good at this mini game how far can you get you can get to the end um and i looked up what happens there's an end yeah and if you get to it uh monokuma does that you get a little cut scene if you so you can play this game with every free time each chapter you get a chance to play this game if you'd like to i don't know why you'd like to um but you can (laughs) and if you play it and you win it on this first chapter then you get a cut scene with kaede and she's like wow like we made it this is paraphrasing um like wow we made it monokuma's like oh wow you weren't supposed to beat this this is super super hard and then he opens the doors and it's a very like trigger happy havoc looking door and you see the outside world you don't actually see it but it's like the bright light kind of vibe from the same like trigger happy havoc and kaede is like like no like this can't be it and that's the end. Um, and then if you beat it on like a later chapter, it's a cutscene with Shuichi. Oh wow, that cool. That's cool. Yeah, huh. yeah. Hmm. So fun fact makes you think. So hmm. even if you make it to the end, it still sucks. It still <laughs> sucks. Yeah, and then you it's keep pointless. playing the game. <laughs> right. Completely pointless. So out of the three games, Trigger Happy Havoc, Danganronpa Two, which what one's that called? Oh yeah, Goodbye Despair. 
forgot what that one was called. And V3, which room setup would you choose as your college dorm? Oh. Oh. That's a really good question, Maddie. Wow. Okay, definitely not Trigger Happy Havoc because there are no windows. <laughs> I'd pick game two because then I have yeah. a beachfront property. That's pretty. <laughs> I would also pick game two because it's a nice room. The The D2 games are really or sorry the d2 rooms are really nice actually i would also pick that yeah that's Mm. a good question wow i did like the modern flair of this last one but it wasn't beachfront so good point property value yeah Yeah. (laughs) i do think that the first game rooms could be really nice if there were not metal bars bolted to all the windows right (laughs) that whole thing yeah, you know. I honestly think the V3 setup is my least favorite. I don't know. There's something about the vibes in it that it's just like. Yeah, it feels, it feels like, like overly modern and like. It feels like a four year old child's like car themed room. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's all so dark wow. and like. It's and, like, dark. Yeah. It's dark. Like, like a kid's room, like where a kid might be like, I want my walls to be black because black is like the color of tires on a car and then your parents are like okay and i guess your room's gonna be black and then it's black i think the trigger happy havoc rooms are my personal least favorite the third oh, the game the v3 game rooms remind me of a hotel room i don't know if that's a pro but related to the rooms i love how dong and rumpa protagonists they get the best sleep of anyone in this world and they are in they are in like a life or death situation, but they're they could just fall asleep like nothing is going on. And I want that kind of energy because I need that. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's so funny. They're like, okay, let me just sleep for 12 hours. Let me just take an afternoon nap. Like, I hope I don't get murdered in my bed. Like, come on, guys. True. That's oh my so god. True. I don't know if I've shared this with you guys before, but the line where like the first like morning that Kaede wakes up she like is laying in bed or whatever and she's like oh I can't face the day but I have to blah 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 and then there's a line where she says I slapped my cheeks and leaped out of bed and I know that she's like on her face like oh slap slap my face get myself awake and jump out of bed but I just like the first <laughs> mental image conjured up in my brain reading that line was <laughs> I slapped my cheeks. <laughs> but like, cheeks. I'm screaming. <laughs> That's the so secret funny. to good sleep. Is right slapping there. your, your Slap cheeks in the cheeks. morning. <laughs> That's canon. All right, we don't see her do it, so we don't know what cheeks. Right. Maybe it is. Any cheek. Mm. Um, speaking of sleep, during it, we get the Monokuma theaters, um, which <laughs> during I sleep. <laughs> during the sleep hours um i don't have a ton of notes on but they are all movie references so we have i thought it was silence of the lambs was the first one but apparently it's texas chainsaw massacre is the first yes. reference um and then we have the sting which in that monokuma theater celeste is on a playing card um yeah and uh, she's the king because it's a 12 which i thought was a pretty cool yes. pretty cool nod um and then it that. also looked like in the back they had like brown bottles like from the ones in chapter four of trigger happy habit oh, with cool. monokuma's like holding like a little chess piece is what it looked oh. like so i thought that was like a cool like trigger happy havoc nod well actually 
the 12th card in, in a deck is the queen oh my yeah, gosh you're right Wait, you're so right oh my gosh and she's, she's the queen die. of liars <laughs> got him okay please continue um yeah and then the godfather was the last reference uh, um, yeah that was the only one i knew by looking at it because yeah. obviously i haven't seen texas chainsaw massacre or sting i have not seen the sting i've seen parts of the texas chainsaw massacre but none of the scary ones i've seen that's not my vibe i've seen sting the the guitar player yeah well that's listen to that a little bit of that do you remember when he's in that one episode of um, only murders in the building have you guys seen that show (laughs) that's so funny i love that show you know they're coming out with a new season and meryl Meryl streep is in it it. and i paul and paul rudd i'm so excited (laughs) okay anyway (laughs) anywho back to talking rumpa all right, everybody. I bet you didn't expect us to put our commercial break here. However, it is time for our commercial break, but there will be more Dong and Rompa after the commercial break. So never you worry. This is not an only murders in the building podcast. This is a Dong and Rompa podcast. Anyway, if you like what you're listening to today, please give us a five star review on Apple or Spotify. It really helps spread the word and lets other people know about our Dong and Rompa content. And if you are able, we do have a Patreon. The lowest tier is just $2 a month, and you get access to a bunch of cool bonus content, including Ultimate Nurse Files and Caroline and Marin Shenanigans Files and all that good stuff and some bloopers, too. So we'd love to see you on there. And with that, we'll be right back after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. This is Caroline. I just want to give you all a heads up that in the second half of the episode, we do discuss themes of depression and suicide. If this is not something that you're comfortable listening to, please feel free to skip the second half of the episode and tune in next week. But yeah, we just wanted to give that heads up for anyone who needs to stay safe and not listen to that content. If you live in the U.S., the Suicide Hotline and Crisis Lifeline is 988, so give that a call if you're dealing with anything relating to that. Thanks, y'all. Keep yourselves healthy and safe. I have a note about Himiko's magic powder. I think it's cocaine. I was going to say that. But then why is, she <laughs> a, why is she sleepy all the time if she's on cocaine? That's a good question. Withdrawal. Great point. Great point. <laughs> yes. She's out all night partying, and so during the day she's like... Speaking of withdrawal, can we talk about how Monokid is literally going through honey withdrawal in like the morning, like wake up episodes? Like he's having tremors, he's having (laughs) agitation, he's having visual hallucinations. Like that, that little bear is not well. He's got DTs. (laughs) I know. Yeah, he's not doing well. And then we obviously, he, dies in the execution which is pretty interesting but we, i won't jump ahead too far 
I do want to talk real quick about Monica. There's one thing um, prior to his execution. He has a quote where he says, nothing beats crashing a funeral. It's way better than wedding crashing. I'll throw in a wedding every now and then, but funerals are insane, like fishing with dynamite. And that is a word for word quote from the movie Wedding Crashers that Will Ferrell says. Oh my word God. Word for word. <laughs> oh my like goodness. I went back and watched the clip. I was last night. I actually texted Maddie and Caroline because I was freaking out. I went back and watched the clip. It is the exact same quote Whoa. which makes me feel like monica is based on some will ferrell characters i don't yeah. know because it would track right do you do you think that in the i wonder if any of our listeners know the answer to this question in the original japanese version is it also that reference or is it a reference right. to a japanese movie perhaps right or? like is it <laughs> That's a, lo- such a good question thing yeah, yeah i don't know oh, that'd be so interesting let us yeah. know if you know <laughs> And so I don't, I I don't remember when exactly this is said, but it's kind of in the jumble of this, all of this we're talking about. Kokichi says, um, talks about, quote, one of those lies that make us more united or whatever. And it is amazing. Like this, the fact that he knows that lies can do this, like unite people under like false information and that power behind it is like, I mean, he is scary in this chapter i love him but he's so horrifying and it's like he we have not had this kind of person in our game before that truly just wants to he views it as a game you know like like byakuya wanted to win to leave but and he wouldn't be beat but like kokichi is treating it like it's a like a game Mm -hmm. yeah Oh my gosh, I love him so much. It's unreal. Like, favorite antagonist. Oh my gosh. When he, they go up to him and they're like, what's your alibi? And he's like, I was in the library smashing Rantaro's head. I screamed. (laughs) I screamed at that. Oh my gosh. He does not take this seriously at all. And everything he says, he's just like pointing out other people's like, almost like humane flaws and it's just like iconic it's so good uh oh my gosh I know that he can be mean to people I'm not saying that he's not but like it's he does something to the other characters and just adds so much to the dynamic that uh, I just love him yeah yep 10 out of 10 he definitely makes things interesting like he I think in a lot of ways he's smarter. He's probably smarter than Byakuya. Like he might be the smartest Danganronpa character, like one of the smartest characters in this entire franchise. Because Um, he just knows, like he's like self-aware and like sees through everyone because he's like, oh, a liar like me can see through other people's lies. But like, he's not wrong. Like he sees through everything. Right. He is both like, like Byakuya is very smart like brain smart but kokichi is brain smart and emotionally intelligent to the like to the point where he can like read people which is that is a scary combination (laughs) that is so horrifying he's probably the most emotionally intelligent character i've ever like seen in fiction ever and i mean that i think he's one of the most immature characters i've ever seen in fiction (laughs) <laughs> but I think he's emotionally brilliant. Right. And like, 
Yeah. Like when they're going through that game, the escape game, and he's like, yeah, like, let's work together. We messed up last time, but I'm sure it'll go well this time. And everyone's like, yeah, but he doesn't mean it at all. Like, it's just like, oh, his whole thing is just this mind game. And I love it. I eat it up. I do too. I was getting major sketch vibes from Shuichi throughout this whole chapter like i vaguely remember when we played through it the first time being like this man is the murderer when he like leaves the room and then comes back and then a murder happens i was like okay (laughs) okay okay (laughs) we got him now boys i know Um, but but yeah i I was like that would be too obvious i don't know if he did that right havoc the sidekick character sayaka was the murderer or no, no, I guess technically she wasn't. But she but plotted a murder. To be, yeah. yeah. But um true. And that's yeah, that's like... when I knew how it ended. Well, I think it was just like when we got to the library and he was like, Hey, look at this door. And they had been looking for a way out of this place for the entire like previous few days. And then they find this door that they can't get into. And the assumption from Shuichi is like, this is the mastermind store, instead of like this is the way out that we've all been looking for like that to me it was just like he was making a lot of assumptions that were just really weird you know and then like Mm -hmm. in like when the actual murder is happening i think it's kaede is like we should hide in the library and then we can catch the you know the person and Shuichi's like no 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 we'd have to confront the mastermind if we did that and then like the little alarm goes off and he's like okay it's time to confront the mastermind like he was just 180 yeah. on so many things that it was just very, I don't know. I, w- I was a little sus, a little sus of that guy. Yeah. I can understand that. And I think it's just because he's such a little weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Such a little weirdo. It's neat. It's, he does trust us immediately. And I, like, I wonder if it's because he thinks we're hot or if it's, you know, because he actually sees something in us. I think it's that. Plus, he has a crush on us. But, um, yeah. On us, the Ultra Hope Girls. <laughs> right. Us, as in the three of us. Yes. But, yeah. So, I just kind of, like, was, like, it's Sweetie trusts us and we know, well, we think we're trustworthy, which is amazing. <laughs> oh. But don't we all think we're trustworthy and then we do something that makes us not trust ourselves anymore? Haven't we all been there? I mean, like <laughs> Yeah, ugh. well that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Maki when they're like going around and getting the alibi. She says like, "Oh, am I a suspect?" And Kaede's like, "No, I didn't mean that." And she's like, "I should be. Like, you should be treating me that way." And I was <laughs> right. like, oh. "Yeah, and she's right." Like, I I don't know, that that made me Yeah, like her and- a little bit. Kaito, when we were in the AV room, says something very similar where he's like, no, interview me until you know with a reasonable, without reasonable doubt that I didn't do this, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Um, mad respect. Mad respect. I also, I wanted to, did you guys get the bonus scene with the nail painting? No. What? No. did it? At one point when you're like walking to the dining hall or something and Sumugi is standing in the hallway, if you talk to her, she like asks you if you want if she like if you want her to paint your nails later. And if you say yes, then that becomes one of your free time events later on. Aww. You just like you go meet her in the game room and she paints your nails. Um and then you guys should look up like a YouTube video or something of the the bonus scene because it's cute. Because Samugi like paints Kaede's nails and Kaede's like, oh my gosh, they're so pretty. And then Rintaro shows up 
and is like, oh, I can do a better job than that. And he repaints Kaede's nails. And she's like, oh my God, they're amazing. And Samugi's like fuming in the corner. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know about that. I just wow. thought it was so funny because A, like lesbian energy happening a little bit between yes. Samugi and Kaede, I think. Oh gosh, I yes. think. And then I think Samugi is a little jealous when Rintaro steps in and takes Kaede's attention instead of her showing off her don't worry smooths they're both dead Uh, no competition anymore (laughs) but it's it's a really cute scene also rentaro is definitely queer in some way 100 percent, and i love him yes um but he he says it's like oh um kaede is like oh where'd you learn to paint nails and he says something about like oh he has a bunch of sisters which is cute but I also think he's he's definitely queer. I was bummed that he died. We haven't really talked about that. I was so bummed. Yeah. I was shook. Like, I was so shook when it turned out to be him as the first victim. He was actually one of the last people I expected. Yeah. And it it was a bummer, not only because he's a cool-seeming guy, but also he was the most mysterious, I felt like, of everyone. You know, he's the one who we don't know his power, or not his power, lol, his ultimate ability. (laughs) This is the Marvel Universe. Check we don't know his quirk. Patreon if you'd like <laughs> to watch Marvel quirk. movies with me. Um, but yeah, no, he's like, he was so interesting and we lost him. And like that yeah. stinks. It's like so much lost potential. Well, yeah. so this is a theme in chapter one of Danganronpa because we think that Sayaka is going to be important because she's been our friend since grade school. And then she's the first one murdered. We think that Byakuya is going to be important because yep. he's Byakuya and we're like, why the hell are you here? And then he dies. <laughs> and then this is a very similar instance. And so this is like a pattern and we're going to do a full episode more um, unpacking the parallels between the three games and the diff- the individual chapters and stuff. But this is like a very, very big example of that being a theme in Definitely. yeah in here yeah absolutely and it's it's so funny to me that it worked a third time at least on me it worked right i know i did not expect it i did not see it coming i was like oh he's the last person it'd be and then i was like oh oh, oh my god he's dead (laughs) oh no (laughs) my next note if it's okay for me to share yeah um Angie inviting everyone to like pray with her like pray to atua before they all die because she's like just totally accepted the fact that they're all gonna die she's like let's pray to atua it'll all be okay um she the the like i can't remember if i think there's like one or two characters who say like isn't there at least one who says like sure why not like unexpectedly who just like goes and says like yeah what i, I don't remember was but it Ryoma? i feel like you're right but i can't remember who it was yeah like, it might have been Ryoma to be like oh it couldn't hurt right that reminded me of this story <laughs> and i don't know if it's actually true but my dad used to tell this story about my grandpa my mom's dad when he was in the korean war and they were like about to like go out to war and do war things and they all like the most of the crew like were all gathered around and they were saying a prayer before going out and it was um a christian prayer because like 90 percent some percent of the squadron i don't know the terms um, squadron (laughs) were christian and my dad always tells a story and it's 
it's it probably didn't actually happen but it, it it sounds like something like totally could have happened and it's funny so he says like my grandpa was there like praying saying like our fathers or whatever and he looks over and he sees his friend like i don't know ted or something um who was jewish who was also kneeling and praying with the rest of them and he looks at me he's like like what the hell are you doing here and ted looks back and it's just like it couldn't hurt <laughs> it's like my dad loves to tell that story and when he's like you know talking about being open-minded to different religions and like all of that and being like eh, it couldn't hurt it just reminded me so much of that i was like this is the oh. same moment <laughs> yeah that's yeah. fun that's so cute I actually thought it was really lovely that she offered that and like she also said like a blessing over Rantara's body after he yeah passed, that was sweet yeah really nice it gave me like uh in game two do you remember when um oh, I can't remember her name squish squish that oh, one. Hiyoko. Hiyoko. <laughs> yeah, Hiyoko. When she like made like a shrine to like yeah. memorialize. I like I always find those moments really sweet when they yeah. like actually take a moment to like reflect um, on the passing in of the their games. friend. Yeah. Yeah, like I think that's really cool. Uh so that was that was kind of a nice addition, I thought. And it felt yeah. really true to the character. Like it felt like something Angie would do. So that was that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and she kinda... says a prayer for Kaede too. Yeah, right. True. After her execution. And kind of like um mondo with his jacket over junko similar vibes yeah. of that yeah. yeah i know it is because it's like in those situations it's like sometimes all you can do is pray yeah and yeah. it sucks but like it's something you know so it's just yeah i totally yeah. agree marion yeah. i feel like i could have um, been one of the ones to be like sure why not it couldn't hurt <laughs> right like what are we gonna do at this point talking about the motive uh, I know everyone was waiting on my analysis of um, how much at fault the kids are in this game. Um, yeah, <laughs> big moment verdict, here. <laughs> this is a hundred zero on Monokuma here. Uh, probably not a surprise, <laughs> but we've talked about it in the past. In chapter four of SDR2, it's the exact same thing here. Anytime a time limit is put into place, <laughs> everything changes on the kids everything changes because that's like it's not the it's yeah i know i mean right how, yeah like, and Kaede no. did perhaps the only fees or tried to do the only feasible thing that made sense to try to stop the mastermind like she was only trying to murder the person behind it all and i can't blame her for that you know like yeah, yeah. so i'm with you i honestly feel like the time limit could have been a bluff to be perfectly honest oh i absolutely think it was yeah and and i have a reason why but i'm gonna have to save it for the spoiler part of this episode (laughs) yeah yeah the other thing is just like and, and an idea that i thought would be explored in this chapter but wasn't was like the idea of um you know oh like the um railroad track problem where it's like if one the trolley person, problem right the, yeah the trolley problem that's what it's called like <laughs> where it's like okay like one person has to die but the rest of us get to live you know and that's better than you know all of us dying you know and i'm surprised that wasn't explored but i also think that because kaede was around people weren't yet in that mode of thinking about it that way they were like oh there's got to be a way to fix this that's almost naive 
of them so like not even consider not naive but they don't even consider it and i think it just shows like there's a lot of camaraderie in this first chapter that totally goes away when kayate is gone yeah there is a lot of camaraderie but i also felt like this game i didn't feel like the players will say i'm thinking like kokichi now the players of this game um were as close as the first two games like trigger happy havoc sdr2 it felt very much like oh like we're stressed let's go explore together let's you know like who are you tell me about your passions like i'm so excited to know you whereas in this one it was like everyone like leaves like there's that scene where we're all in the cafeteria and one by one everyone's like i don't trust you i'm gonna go be alone by myself like why would i talk to you why would i tell you this like telling people off being really rude in some cases like mew is very violent with her words kokichi is really mean with his words like yeah so i thought that this was the most hostile group uh that we've had so far i definitely think it's an interesting dynamic i i do agree with caroline's earlier point that it's not like anything we've seen before in danganronpa mm-hmm. like this is this is a new beast definitely this this group and this killing game yeah definitely i had a question this one concerns ryoma's offer to let someone murder him so that no other people would not expire from the time limit because he was like I, I think we're going to have to maybe put some trigger warnings on this episode for like suicidal topics because it seems like Ryoma does not have much of a desire to live. And so for him, it's like, if anyone's going to get killed, like kill me. Like, I don't even want to be here, you know? So yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I, I have a question. Was Ryoma's offer selfish or selfless? I think it was both. It was selfless because it gave them an answer to a question that's not easy to answer. Um, It was selfish because I think he belittled how much his death would affect the rest of the group. Like even, even with him offering, that doesn't mean that his death would not impact the group at all. And it was not a solution in that it was a selfish solution in that it would start the killing game. It wouldn't solve the end problem. It would be like a Band-Aid, um, and it wouldn't really put them in a better place. It would really more fulfill something that maybe he wants, um, like you were saying. So, yeah, yeah. that's my, my thought. No, I totally agree with you, Marin. And it's funny, this theme today of like of my day today even has been like having like both of those things are true both that he's selfish and selfless those both are true at the same time and like holding space for those for two things to be true at the same time that's more of like in my personal life obviously this is just a question you asked about this game um but yeah no I I think it's easy to think about things in a very binary way and you know I mean it's really it all is true so anyway that's my opinion too because it's not a it's not a purely selfless sacrifice not at all. The next thing I have is um, the the idea and concept of these like motion sensor cameras is kind of genius. Yeah, Shuichi, like I I was like, He's wow, that's boy. like a good plan. Like that that makes sense, you know. And then there's that weird scene with Mew, Wendy Lee. Um, we get to hear some of her voice acting in like longer form lines, which is pretty cool. But um, she. You can really hear Clover and Mew 
a lot. Like I hear like yeah. Clover from 999. Yeah. Like I, I like, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like, I can hear Clover, you know? And that wasn't the case that's with so Akane. I, I couldn't hear a Clover. So yeah, so it's really cool. I love her um, voice acting performance as Mew and also as um, Clover, but Mew, obviously. Yeah. And that bowing scene is so weird. It's so weird. That that was another part of Kaede's existence here that just made me like ugh, cringe. <laughs> but it worked and we got to see the side of Mew that's like, you know, different. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, she really isn't as strong as she puts up to be. Um, it's like almost like a coping mechanism. She's a very interesting character. I really like her a lot. Yeah. I I like That's Mew cool. a lot too. <laughs> She's one of my problematic faves. I had another note kind of going off of the when they're setting up the cameras. Um, and this is, you know, something obviously I didn't notice until the second playthrough here, but it's just a, a little detail that I really appreciated this time just little character details um when they're setting up the camera and then or the setting up the cameras and then Kaede mentions that she likes Rube Goldberg machines that's kind of like I think that's supposed to be our first hint um to what she's scheming I was completely clueless to that but I know Caroline saw right through everything um but I did notice this time that um the scene where they're like investigating the vent in the library right before they start setting up the cameras you can see a change in Kayede when she like she starts saying like yes this will definitely work blah 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 referring you think to the plan to catch like take pictures of the mastermind but in her head she's saying that this will definitely work the plan to kill the mastermind um I think this is where she gets this idea and like solidifies it in her mind because after she rearranges the books and she says yes this will definitely work she like she i think it's a new sprite that we see for the first time in that moment it's not like her usual determined smile it's like her face goes kind of dark like almost like angry in a determined sort of way and that was just a subtle character detail that i thought was like just a really cool like detail that they added in that you know for your first time playing through you wouldn't think anything of it but right like oh that's a different facial expression like her mind has gone somewhere else so this is this so I know I talked earlier how much I love this um that this reveal like all this stuff my one complaint this is my like one I have a few but like this is my one complaint with this whole twist ending thing is I feel like we I just wish we got to see more of Kaede being mentally capable to pull something like this off I just don't think we get any hint of her intelligence like and that could have been an easily solved problem that could have been her idea to do the camera and sensor right like or something just to give us like a hint that she actually realistically could do this because as of right now I'm like I know she did it but also like I don't think she is smart enough to pull it off yeah you know what I mean I do. And I think it would be so cool if one of the things we were debating is like, did she actually do this to catch the mastermind or was she doing it because she thought she could pull off the perfect kill? Like if that was a discussion that we could have, I think that would add just another layer. But we all kind of know that she was doing it just to get the mastermind right. just based on how she is. And so, yeah, like she's a horrible liar. She is... <laughs> maybe the worst liar of this entire series like when shuichi they're like post-murder shuichi's like ah the books look the same and she's like yes 
the books that I placed look exactly the same as when I placed them. Ha ha ha. I, I put them there to prevent people from entering the library. Remember? All. <laughs> Remember like, when I did okay. that earlier? <laughs> like, I know, it's so funny. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, little yikes. I mean, I know Kokichi can sense lies because he's really cool, but so <laughs> can I in this. Like, come on. My next note was I actually really loved the heart-to-heart between Shuichi and Kaede in the classroom before all this goes down. Um, I thought it was really sweet. I, I think Kaede's like optimism can be over the top sometimes and a little like unrealistic, but I also do think that like she is a really good friend and I think that she would or she would be a really good friend if she was real. But <laughs> but I think she's being a very good friend to Shuichi. And I also wanted to say I feel for Shuichi a lot here when he's like talking about his past and like the guilt that he feels after kind of solving the case that made him the ultimate detective quote unquote when it was really like he he feels bad because he like put someone in jail who was just trying to get revenge for something really horrible that happened to their family like you know just a morally gray area there and I think that I feel for him because you know it's not his fault that that person went to jail like he's not he wasn't the judge who decided what that person's sentence was going to be and and you know, he wasn't the one who committed the crime. You know, uncovering the truth is a detective's job and then someone else's job to decide the consequences of the truth, blah, blah, blah. But it's still like probably quite a burden to bear just knowing that you in any way may have like contributed to someone's suffering or to an injustice. Mm. Um, and like, <laughs> this is probably a terrible example, but like at my job, I've had to get a thicker skin with things that like feel like they're my fault, but they're not because like, you know, it's not easy just like even if I'm the bearer of bad news for a patient like, you know, you have skin cancer or like, I'm sorry, your medication isn't going to be covered by insurance and we were out of alternatives. And then they get upset and I feel guilty. And I know it's like not my fault that this bad news needs to be bared, but it still feels like I'm the reason they're upset. And that's probably like not a good example to compare to Shuichi's because like, I'm kind of just the messenger in that situation. But versus he feels like a very deep sense of responsibility for being like I'm the one who figured this out and if I hadn't done that then this person would not be suffering this injustice mm. or whatever but yeah um, so yeah I, I I feel for him like I agree with Kaede that it's not his fault but I I do understand completely why he would feel really guilty from that and and feel remorseful Annie, it sounds like you need a Kaede in your life maybe it's like a waifu yeah I, I think know. I might need a Perhaps. Kaede in my life people. maybe <laughs> No, make sure. Oh, go ahead. Pacific's wife is coming out before this episode, right? It's out. (laughs) It's out. Yeah. Good. It's interesting because this sort of, um, you know, up to this point in Danganronpa, the trials have been, you know, very definitive. Like it's like, oh, this person murdered this person. Like that is like this is what happened, and they're guilty. And it's we feel as a player okay putting, you know, maybe not like murdering these people who are murderers but you know what i mean we're like okay like justice was served they did something wrong you know and then this sort of brings up this concept into our minds of like okay well this is unpacking that sometimes justice is complicated justice isn't black and white there's like a lot of gray area you know and so it's like introducing that idea and it is interesting because up to this point it hasn't really been covered 
Yeah. And that actually, that goes really well into my next note, which is, you know, obviously Kaede is the murderer and we see her execution, which I know I'm jumping a little bit, but in this chapter, when Monokuma is crushed by the Exosol and then comes back the next day, the trope death is cheap comes up, um, which is basically the trope where important characters have a tendency to die. And so, but they might not stay dead is the idea of the trope. That's like a common thing in this series as we've seen Monokuma die over and over and he keeps coming back. Right. Um, And so because this trope occurs in series series that has that trope go on um, tend to also follow the deader than dead trope, um, which is where they overkill people to show you that they'll stay dead. And Mm. I think that that is really, really shown here in this execution of Kaede because they want you to see the difference between Monokuma's death, quote unquote, where he's smushed and comes back and Kaede's death where, you know, she's, horribly and disturbingly murdered um, to show you that she's not coming back yeah um so yeah it's just kind of an interesting thing that i i didn't really realize that those tropes played so much into each other but that is very much a dong and rompa thing is to deader than dead to show you when they're when they're gone yeah when they're gone they're gone yeah um so yeah oh my god i i i haven't watched the execution yet and i'm just like I remember it so vividly. It's all, it's so terrible. Mm. So bad. Um, Um, Oh, go ahead, Caroline. I was just going to say. You like the same note. I know. You're like, um. Um. uh, The other thing that is interesting with this with Shuichi is Kyoko, as an ultimate detective, looked for the truth. She was all about finding the truth. And Shuichi is afraid of finding the truth and that is like a very interesting distinction and yeah and the truth is scary just just something another note that i had i don't know i wrote this whole paragraph just on my emotions circling back around to how shook i was when rintaro died (laughs) i i wrote that it felt like kodaka really just set the table for a nice feast for me and showed me to my seat and then yanked the chair right out from me under from under me on my way to sit down and I crashed on to my ass and broke my tailbone. That's how I felt <laughs> discovering Rentaro's corpse because here I was like, oh my God, this character is so interesting and mysterious. We're going to learn so much about him. He's going to be like one of my favorite characters. And then he he was just dead. So I was like, wow. Damn, I so- actually remember the first time when we played this emotions. game, you being shocked. I remember that yeah, distinctly. Yeah, she was like, I can't believe they killed him. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. They did. It's <laughs> like, yeah. It was him. Like <laughs> Maddie just was in love with Rotaro. Yeah, that's true. In that a way that neither of us were. Yeah. Oh. Um, another note about Rantaro that I have is I was so annoyed by this the fact that like I thought it looked like there was like blood on Rintaro's left hand and like a little bit on the camera and it didn't look exactly like a splatter pattern so like my first playthrough I was at Mary and Caroline know this I'm sure they remember I was so fired up I was convinced that there was going to be some kind of twist related to that like over oh, Rintaro didn't die immediately he was like messing with the camera with his bloody hand or something but like that turned out to be nothing and I was like so angry because I was so convinced that that was an important detail and this was just like one thing that was a little frustrating to me because I feel like up till now Danganronpa is typically like 
so on point with the nitty gritty details in including in the artwork of yeah. like every murder and I feel like this time it was just like a little thing that like just wasn't quite as consistent like I, I you know I guess it just ended up I guess we can just assume like it was blood splatter all along but like if they gave the artist some more liberties or something like whatever and I ended up assuming it meant something when it didn't I was just a little frustrated because I felt like this was just a little lapse in the artistic details that Danganronpa has not like Danganronpa has not aired on that up until now and so I was I was surprised by that I was a little like mm, yeah speaking of the details um can we talk about how Shuichi remembers exactly where he put the dust in the card reader oh my god I know I always crack up at that so much. <laughs> like what he's like no the dust is still there it's like okay buddy all right bud like I period. I'm not you. gonna contradict that yeah <laughs> oh my gosh um, oh my god I just I just finished reading um, Misery by Stephen King and I hope this isn't too spoilery do you guys mind if I like no it's not like a care. huge spoiler for the whole yeah book, go but, for it um, Misery by Stephen King is about like this crazy woman who has like this author guy held captive in her home and the author's definitely like a self-insert OC of Stephen King's <laughs> <laughs> but at one point he like breaks out of the room that she's like keeping him trapped in he like breaks up the door with a bobby pin or whatever and is like looking through her stuff while she's like not home and he looks through this like creepy scrapbook of i won't spoil what the creepy scrapbook is of and then he like he doesn't want her to find out that he like escaped from the room so he goes back and like locks the door behind him or whatever but then later on she takes it out on him because she knew that she that she knew that he had been snooping around because she laid a hair across the scrapbook and then went and checked and the hair was gone what if like an ac breeze went in and like I moved the hair like what <laughs> like <laughs> i've heard of that before though of people doing yeah. that and yeah. she put like a tiny like like a thread across like desk drawers that he opened and then they snapped and like he would never have noticed them opening them like you'd never notice that but like she went back and checked all of them and was like he's been snooping and then she chopped off his foot is this did we start talking about this because of the dust yeah Yeah. (laughs) the dust in the car um i i have a note that just says the fact that anyone would think gonta did anything slash is the mastermind is foolishness that whole conversation of gonta even being a suspect in this murder i was like are we stupid like no he is okay but his honesty was so good that was actually one of my favorite parts of this where they were like gonta could you have done this he's like yeah easy i could have right yes, no problem for gonta <laughs> I, oh my god he is such a fool and then samugi's like oh poor thing you shouldn't be so honest and also it, it's canon you guys gonta eats doors for breakfast <laughs> yeah okay he kind of gives me you know kevin from the office yeah, you know there's like that whole theory that Kevin yes. is actually like a mastermind gambler who like <laughs> like has been like stealing from the company for years. Yeah. But that I feel like is where their heads were at when they were accusing Gonta is like right, maybe what he if gives he off secretly... Kevin vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's secretly a genius. But yeah, it was crazy that they Gonta really is the mastermind. That. 
real quick, there's an Ultra Despair Girls poster. Oh my god. Yes, there is. However, asterisk, it says coming soon, question mark. But then right after it, uh, I think it's Kaede or it might be Shuichi says, is this one of Monokuma's pranks? And the other one's like, probably. And I just like to remind everyone that when we interviewed Kadaka, we asked who he felt he was most similar to. And he said Monokuma. Yeah. So when he true. says, is this one of Monokuma's pranks? It could be Kadaka's prank breaking oh, yeah. us off. Oh, Let's yeah. not get too excited yet. No, you're absolutely <laughs> correct, actually oh my gosh why is the library called the reading room do you see that like the sign the sign above the doorway says reading room does it yes and i was like what is too much also why is there um inappropriate graphic content in the video library gonta is gentleman i really like gonta's bug purse i want to put that out there literally heart going to his whole fashion his whole look with the bug purse yeah. obsessed with the bug purse why don't we nice have suit? bug purses yeah but he's got the nice suit the nice suit jacket and pants no shoes though Fair right <laughs> right the dogs are out <laughs> the dog oh my gosh the the long luscious brown hair that i mean i wish i could have that volume i mean come on yeah yeah, he's, oh my god. I kind of like, obviously he's so annoying, but I kind of adore him, like, as a character in this game. Like, yeah. just as one of the group, he just, he brings something. It's not the same. It wouldn't be the same without him. <laughs> it's almost like he's the opposite of Kokichi. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's so unemotionally intelligent or emotionally unintelligent that it's endearing. Like I it's know, like, such a silly yeah, guy. I could throw that shot put ball. Like, you're not reading the room, bud. You're not <laughs> reading it. <laughs> but you know what though? I appreciate his honesty. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think uh I think we could all all strive to be like Gonta in terms of honesty. Also, I, I do gotta say he be strong. He, he do be hold. strong. He do be working out. I have one last note before the trial. And that is that um, Cospox is a real thing. I have seen it at the dermatologist. Oh my god, Cospox! I remember, I remember watching a clip of Chris Tergliaferra playing through Chapter One of this game and being like, "What the hell is Cospox? That is the stupidest thing ever!" And just being so annoyed at it, um, which is so funny. I think I honestly, to me, that felt a little bit like they were. It felt like maybe something they put in like last minutes to the game because maybe someone raised the possibility of, ooh, a disguise. Someone could have disguised it. Like Sumugi's ultimate cosplay, she could have just disguised herself as someone else and they had to just be like, no, that's not what happened. Right. But like they had to play it up and make it part of the the thing. They they couldn't just like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of wish they had like... just left it. Yeah. Like, right. I kind of wish they had just said she could have. There's other evidence that proves that it's not her so and kaede would not have let that go like if they were like oh samugi could have dressed up like someone kaede would have been like exactly like how she was with shuichi like i know it wasn't him i have to stop this kind of thing you know like i don't know i feel like she would have taken the exact same route Um, yeah yeah Yeah. especially after this nail painting scene they're close my gosh they're besties well history will say i really like the gay panic 
like there's a scene i literally took a note of this like kaede's like gay panic when samugi is like take your clothes off kaede's like what what and i'm like oh my god you are like <laughs> anyway it just reminds me of little me i feel Aww. that been there bestie all right everyone that is the end of today's episode there is no bed wed behead this week but we will have one next episode and tune in next episode for our spoiler full v3 notes for the second half because we just figured it would be good to talk about the spoiler stuff as well as the non-spoiler stuff for this game just given everything if you know you know if you liked what you heard today please give us a five-star review on apple or spotify it really helps out the podcast and we do have a patreon the lowest tier is just two dollars a month get access to a bunch of cool bonus episodes some book club some marvels marins marvels movies month stuff yeah gosh anyway mmmm and that's that's all we got for you we're on on twitter on instagram we're ultra hope girls podcast everywhere and thanks so much for tuning in y'all we love you see you next time <laughs>